is going on, everybody? Hey, it's your main man, Jonah, here. Welcome to the Quitting Marijuana Podcast. I am coming at you live from Dunedin, Florida. I thought it was Dunedin, but apparently it's Dunedin. you got to listen to the locals to really, really understand the pronunciations. There's a lot going on down here that doesn't make any sense to me, but it must be because, you know, it must be because I'm from the north. That's probably the situation. Listen, I'm here. I'm all alone. I'm in our Airbnb uh, the wife is at the beach. She loves looking for seashells. I mean, she is tearing it up. It's up and down the beach all day. Sunburn, ache, you know, uh, swelling of the, the foot joints from being on the uneven surface for eight, nine, ten hours. She loves it. Um, I don't know if you guys go through this. I've been experiencing this today. I'm a little grouchy. and It is day four since my last screw off. And obviously that, that's been a pattern. But do you ever put somebody else's needs ahead of yours to the point to where you get frustrated because you are being neglected? And so then you, you start getting kind of edgy and you, and you lash out. And the person, you realize, of course, that the person is totally clueless. Like they did not know that you were getting mad. They did not know that there were certain things you wanted to do because you were just putting their needs or what you thought you were doing. You were putting their needs first. So that's kind of what's been going on. I've been trying to support her on the beach. I've been trying to to be there to carry the water, to carry the food, be right by her side as she's looking for these shells. And the reality is, I don't, I don't give a damn, right? Like I, I don't really enjoy shelling. Like I'm not really a beach guy. You know, of course, it's fun to do it one day or something. But you know, I like being in the timber, man. I want to be in the woods. I want to be climbing the mountains. Um, just walking on the never-ending sand and surf is not for me. And so. I was spending time with her, you know, all day on the first day here, all day the second day. And in the meantime, in my head, I'm thinking to myself, man, I really want to compose this project of designing, you know, the project is to design a new academic program for second graders, right, at my school. And I figure if I can put this proposal together of this new, like, hands-on, outdoor, um, kid-friendly, whole-child-centered uh, program and I submit this to them and then if my district says no then it's like okay cool so now I'm free to go somewhere else if I need to and not feel guilty about it and that's kind of my excuse when I apply to the new school I can say well you know I I put together this program proposal I'm really all about kind of changing the regime the the education dynamic and it wasn't accepted at my school at that time and that's totally fine you know change takes a long time to implement, but I am looking for somebody who's ready to take the plunge, who's ready to commit, who uh, believes that this is good for kids. And so if that's you, then sign me up. I'm in. Now, granted, I'm trying to get my phys ed certification too. And do you ever listen to those motivational speakers who you know, they're like, oh, you know, don't tell anybody your dream because uh, if you tell them your dream, they'll try to take it away from you. Or there's the other people who are like, you know, oh, if you tell people, you know, tell people your dreams and, and don't be surprised if they, if they don't buy in because the dream has to be from you. It's all, you know, you're the one who, who makes it a reality and you'll show them if you just stick to your guns. And <laughs> I had been planning on holding back this whole PE thing because lately I'd had a habit of vocalizing my goals and my dreams to others as an accountability piece and then ultimately not following through. So then it's like, okay, I'll go the opposite end of the spectrum, right? I'll keep it a secret and then it will just come out. Well, you know, when you're talking to a random person on the beach, it's totally fine. I don't know this person. And so I'm talking to a former administrator 
asks me what I do. I tell him I teach kindergarten. I'm thinking, you know, what, what's my future look like? You know, well, I'm thinking about transitioning to phys ed. And I get this nasty look, this kind of like dirty look. And this is like the third or fourth person who, when I told them I was thinking about PE or that PE would be the best fit for me and my personality, they give me a glare. And I don't know if it's the old stigma about PE teachers, right? Why I didn't become a PE teacher. When I was a kid, I remember the joke was like, oh, if you can't work, if you can't do, teach. And if you can't teach, teach gym, right? So PE teacher was kind of the bottom of the barrel. And, and would it really make a big difference? The problem is, is our society, you know, we have gone a complete 180, right? The kids today are riddled with problems due to their sedentary lifestyle, right? Especially lower cross syndrome. You know, those tight hip flexors, the tight lower back, the belly button protruding. Uh, they have no grip. They have no fine motor skills. Their gross motor skills are very undeveloped. And I don't remember if I told you guys this, but at the last wrestling practice, you know, I was edgy, right? I'm jacked up about the end of the world and, and nuclear apocalypse. Well, there was a senior in high school at practice and he, I said, man, I, you know, I'd love to wrestle you because I guess he had beaten our coach and our coach is a stud. And he goes, oh, you don't want any of this. And he cracks his knuckles at me. And I'm like, mm, uh, you know, I kind of do want some of that, right? Like I want a beating, right? I'm surrounded by five-year-olds and women. Like I wanted to get in that ring and have some guy just toss me around, beat me up, give me a little pain, you know, give me an opportunity to, to exert all my energy and effort in one place, which I haven't been able to do because my body is so broken. And so, you know, I, practice goes on. I mean, this kid outweighs me by 45 pounds, which in wrestling is a lot. You know, I, I bring it up to him again. He gives me that same kind of cocky response. And then I talk to some other adults, and they're like, oh, yeah, he really whooped up on coach. And coach is a stud. He's like 6'3", 6'4", 195 pounds. Like, the guy is jacked. And so then I say to coach, is this kid is, you know, wrestling all these um, youth, all these peewee kids, which is ridiculous in my opinion. You're 210 pounds. Going out there against 40-pound kids doesn't make any sense. Someone's going to get hurt. And I know it's all for fun, but still, it's not very practical. You know, the little kids aren't really getting any experience. And so I say to coach, hey, you know, once he, once he goes through everybody out wrestling, and coach gives me this kind of bug eye look. He's like, mm? and he kind of calls me over. He's like, you sure, man? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, I, I wrestled him. And, man, I had bruises on my face. He was using his forehead on me, this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, yeah, good. That's what I want. <laughs> I want a beating. I don't even have my wrestling shoes, right? I'm in my socks and my pants. And just so you know, if you're trying to wrestle in your socks, you're your host because you get no grip at all, no purchase on the mat. So when you try to drive or pivot, um, your feet just slip right out from under you. Well, anyway, this kid's starting to gas. And, uh, you know, he's, so the last kid wrestles and the last little kid wrestles. And so I go out there and again, I, and I, I can't remember if I already talked about this, so I'm so sorry if you've heard this story, but when I first saw this kid come to practice a couple weeks ago, I was not impressed. He looked kind of flabby to me. You know, I'm like, mm, you know, here's another high schooler. But then when I hear he beats up on coach and coaches the stud, same age as me, I'm like, Whoa, okay. I guess I got to reevaluate my opinion. So I got the bad back, right? I got the bulging disc. And this kid outweighs me by 45 pounds. And he's some young thundercat. And I don't have my wrestling shoes on. So the only way to survive in this sport, you know, you go hard or you go home, right? Like it's all or nothing. Wrestling is a mental sport. So I, that coach blows the whistle. 
and I give him the old fake on the leg, right? I start juking and jiving, kind of seeing what his reaction times are. I tie up with him, and I smash, because that was actually my shtick, right? I used to bludgeon people with my head when I was in wrestling. And so then you hear that this kid does it. I'm like, okay, well, we'll see. So I kind of bludgeon him a little bit, let him go. And you can see I've got him shook, right? He's back on his heels now. So then I tie up with him again. I club, I shake, pop up and down, and I literally just jack him up. I just take my right arm and my forearm. I put it vertical so that that hard bone is right on his collarbone. And I just whip him like a dog, and I shake him and push him off of me. And I hear, you know, the parents or the other kids are like, whoa. And so anyway, the point is, you guys, the long story short is he, he wrestles really hard. But I just end up beating the snot out of him. I mean, I just, I broke the poor kid. And right at the end, as I feel him break underneath me mentally, you know, I look at myself and I'm disgusted. Like in the moment leading up to it, it was, it was, it was a dog fight, right? It's all survival. But then right in that moment when I realized like what's going on and, you know, I'm dominating this kid and he doesn't have a chance, you know, it, it just sort of, sort of clicks with me and I see what I'm doing. And, you know, here I am a grown man beating up this young guy. And, uh, and so I end up, you know, I, I lighten up a lot and then he just quits. He just quits right underneath me. And so I stand up and I, I lift his hand, right. Try to bring him back. And then in the, you know, in the minutes afterwards when he's totally cooked and he's, he's like rolling on the mat, he's rubbing his shoulders. He can barely stand. Um, you know, I try to talk him up and even, you know, as we're walking out the door, same thing. I'm always, I'm using those teacher positivity, that positive feedback, that uplifting, oh, you know, I only beat you because of this, or like, wow, you're really good at that, or oh, man, you really surprised me with this, or oh, my gosh, I didn't know you had these problems, like, dang, man, you really represented yourself well, la, 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 la. I just, I felt like crap. I called my grandma and told her what happened. She's like, man, you, you should try to teach him next practice, try to give something back to him. So that's my goal. I, I, I texted the coach and asked if I could work with this kid, and Coach said, yeah, and he actually gave me the approval to, to go ahead to speak up anytime. He's like, you can help out with practice as much as you want, man. I, I'm just a glorified, this is Coach talking, but Coach says, I'm just a glorified helper, really, like, you know, up until this point. So if you want to step in and do stuff, he's like, don't be afraid. And what's interesting, you guys, is this man is a very intimidating fellow, right? Uh, and I think he does that intentionally, and there could be some insecurity there. I don't know, but he's got the big beard, right? He's got the chain on his wallet that's hooked to his jean belt loop. You know the kind of fellow I'm talking about, the Harley Davidson shirt. So very intimidating guy. And to hear him say that, it was so nuts because here I am beating myself up, and I'm a terrible person, and what if this kid goes to school tomorrow and talks about this kindergarten teacher who who smashed him and then I get fired or something crazy, right? My mind just went to the worst case scenario. But then the good Lord opens this door for me that I've been desperately chomping at all season. I mean, teaching kids is what I get. It's what I do for a living, you guys. It's literally what I do for a living. And so, and wrestling is, I, I've spent more years wrestling than I have teaching. And so I, I've been waiting for this opportunity. And so it's so weird how the Lord can take this disaster and turn it into a tremendous blessing. And so Tuesday when I get to practice, I'm going to send uh, coach's girl a little write-up of what we're going to do ahead of time so that he can process that. Because I still think that he might, you know, grown-ass men, right? We get a little competitive. We get a little dominant. You know, there's kind of that alpha aspect of like, oh, are you telling me what to do sort of thing. So I want to send it to him so he can process it all, ask for his feedback, and then go for it. You know, um, I'm going to take the big kids, 
teach them a move. I don't even know what I'm going to teach them yet. I'll probably teach them maybe the stack or something, right? And then the little kids, they got to learn the cradle. It's crazy he hasn't talked to the cradle yet. So, But I tell you all this because I... I don't know. I, I tell you all this because there's there's hope for us failures yet. And I attended an MA meeting online, Marijuana Anonymous, on Sunday night. And unfortunately, there was a bomber, quote unquote, like a Zoom bomber, somebody who gets in and tries to interfere with the meeting, right, showing pornography or just screaming into the microphone. And thankfully, they got that all sorted out. But when I was a when I was first in trouble at school, I used to go to these uh, Alcoholic Anonymous meetings. And even when I was in trouble, I remember I was living in Vermont and I went to one of these things because I was lonely and felt like I was drinking and drugging too much. And even though most people would say I was very successful. And I liked going to these things and this sounds terrible. And, and if you were someone who was at this meeting, um, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about my other meetings. I used to go to these meetings because it would remind me of what I don't want to become. Right, like I don't want to end up like this guy. I don't want to end up like this woman. And so I thought to myself, well, I'll go to this online meeting and you know, either it's full of inspiration, which is great, or it'll be that reminder of like, fuck, I don't want to end up like these people. And it was a really nice meeting. It was it was really good. Okay, you know, talking about um selfish wisdom and versus uh uh, wise wisdom or wise selfishness versus foolish selfishness, I believe actually is what it was. And it was just nice. You know, the meeting had structure. We kind of, you know, went through the, the order of events. If you've ever been to an AA meeting, it just pretty much followed that same procedure. And I'm glad I did it. I have no regrets doing it. I will do it again. But it, it wasn't in person, I guess. And I, I really, I really like the in-person aspect of it. And that's not anybody's fault, right? Like there are in-person meetings just so happens I'm in a brand new place and I, I can't find one of those, but I, and this is a whole lot better than nothing. And it's an opportunity for people to connect. So I'm not belittling anybody who attends these meetings. I've gotten so many messages from people who have made it 30 days sober, 40 days sober, a hundred days sober. And they all testify to the, that these meetings are what keep them clean, right? So if you're somebody who's listening and you have not ever attended a meeting, then I say go for it. Like if you haven't tried something and it's it's a tool that others say aids them in their path to sobriety, then you need to give it a try. And if you haven't been to the gym, you need to give it a try. If you haven't meditated, you need to give it a try. If you haven't practiced Wim Hof breathing, you need to give it a try. And so anywho, the point is I did it. It didn't resonate with me just because I'm so much of an in-person kind of guy, but I'll probably go to another one. You never know when you get these opportunities to share, and, and there's always there's always something to learn if you're willing to listen, and, and that's some, a strength I need to develop on. Jordan Peterson talks about how if you go through life treating everybody like they have something to teach you, it's a 10 times better experience. And so that's the kind of attitude I have to have. And they say as teachers, oh, we're always lifelong learners. But teachers also have really big egos too, right? And if you don't have an ego before you're a teacher, you certainly get an ego after you're a teacher because kids are so dumb. <laughs> They're so dumb. They don't understand anything about the world. 
and they, they hang on your every word and it's impossible not to have an inflated sense of yourself um, while you're doing that sort of thing. And you see these college professors pretty much exemplify that the most, right? Uh, it makes sense that, you know, if you're teaching five-year-olds, the ego you know, can only swell so much. But if you're teaching people who are 20 or 30 and they're hanging on your every word, then, okay, now I can see where you blow up. So, anywho, that's, that's pretty much where I'm at, you guys. Uh, four days clean again. It definitely, I'll tell you what breaks my sobriety, what, what is most common in breaking my sobriety is the decision to smoke at some far off date, right? And for me, in the week leading up to this vacation, it was the knowledge that I was going to smoke on vacation. And so then I was like, well, if I'm going to do that, I might as well just do it right now. And then and, and, well, if I did it then, I might as well do it tomorrow. And so it went from, you know, 19 days clean to six days clean to like two days clean, to one day clean, to double back-to-backs. And so, again, I think I have said this before. I think I talked about this with Alan and a couple other folks, but if you have some goal of being able to smoke someday, it's going to sabotage what you're doing right now. And I guess ultimately the question is why. What, why do you want to smoke someday? Like what is it going to do for you? Is it the superficial pleasure and... I guess if you had yourself in your most passionate moment of trying to quit versus yourself 20 years from now where you're like, yeah, I think I'm going to smoke. And those two people met, you know, what, what are the arguments each of them would use? And who would win when you compare the needs of both those people and the experiences of both those people? Um, Anyway, I, I can't offer too much more on it. I'm fried. I have not meditated in a long time. I can tell. I'm jazzed up. Uh, my back is pretty tight. I, I'm going to go to Planet Fitness after this and get a lift on. I'm supposed to meet the wife again for lunch, but um, I'm going to lift first because I, <laughs> I got to blow off some steam, yo. But, hey, there's another person who's a lot wiser than me. Uh, he's, the, he's the meditator you've never heard of. He's the weightlifter you've never heard of, the athlete you've never heard of, Sri Chimoy. And he has this cool book called Jewels of Happiness. And I've read some passages from this way back in the early days of this podcast. And this passage is on hope. And uh, so in italic font, he says, What do you want? I want hope. Meditate on a seed under the ground. Meditate on a lovely, tender plant. And now here we are getting into the actual text. Text. The power of hope. Hope is our inner effort. This inner effort expires us to see something new, to feel something new, to say something new, to do something new, and, finally, to become something new. Hope is power. We may think that hope is nothing but imagination, but inside hope there is power. There are many people who do not hope. Either they do not know how to hope, or they do not want to hope. But this is the wrong attitude. Hope is not delusion. Hope is not mental hallucination. Hope is a powerful inner reality. If we always have the hope of newness in thought and in action, only then can we transcend. Therefore, we have to treasure hope and promise at every moment. And here we are in italic fonts. Let us not underestimate the power of hope. No matter how fleeting its life, it offers to us the most convincing and fulfilling power. So, uh, those are the words from our good friend Sri Chinmoy. Langston Hughes, you have probably heard of this man. One wonderful quote from Langston among many. Hold fast to dreams. 
For if dreams die, life is a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. Langston Hughes. In our Bible verse of the day, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 30 and 31. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Hey, remember to find satisfaction in the struggle and peace in the moment. We'll see you next time. Thank you.